0: Welcome to the Hindus Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Parlay, and this week we discuss the promotion granting commanding positions for women officers in the Indian Army. A subject which was at the apex court last week. So while hearing the case arguments on this case, the apex court has observed that the There needs to be administrative will and change of mindset in response to the government's arguments which in a written note had stated that uh, women cannot be given commanding positions in the army citing physical and physiological limitations. On this to discuss this important issue we have two senior and respected generals with us. Lieutenant General Atta Hasnen, former GOC 15 Corps and now the Chancellor of Kashmir University and Ref Gen. Huda, Oman Northern Army Command. I have Dhinako Peri from The Hindu who will be moderating this discussion for today. General Hasnain, uh, you, have, you have written on this issue and we have, I know which were well, well received. So, can, can you uh, give a brief overview of what is the reasoning behind the government's stand on this issue? What what justifies this position? What is the uh, prevalent view behind this to take this uh, stand on this particular issue?
1: See, thinker, uh, the issue here primarily is that uh, till last year September, the regular commission, permanent commission for women, was restricted only to two departments. That is the Army Education Corps and the Judge Advocate General's Branch. Sir. So, in September last year, the MOT announced that from April this year, they are opening this up to eight other arms and services into yes. which women are already being commissioned as short service commission officers. And um, so therefore, now permanent commission is open in eight departments of what you call arms and services, of which obviously the women who are now going to be permanent commissioned officers, officers are seeking aspirationally to further their careers and their careers can only be furthered if they get what are called command assignments or what are called criteria appointments. Now the question here is primarily how do you define what is a criteria appointment? The Indian army is essentially what is called a command oriented army. That is anyone who has to be given further Other positions up the chain of command have to first be experienced in command at the level of a full colonel, a unit command. That is an essential thing. So far, this was denied to them because they were not getting permanent commission. And now that the permanent commission is open, they are now seeking that they should be given a chance to command, just like men so that they can also further their careers in the department's arms or services in which they have now got permanent commission. That is the prime issue. Now when this whole issue went to the Supreme Court, the government of India, the Indian army of course, the Indian army may have various varied uh, perceptions, but ultimately it is the Ministry of Defense or the government of India which fights the case in the Supreme Court. And there the case which has been put up is that uh, the uh, male elements who will be commanded by the women are not prepared for this command, for this kind of a situation where they will receive such orders from women. And this is the prime argument that they are making, and that uh, they are willing to give them command in uh, soft appointments, which are uh, non-operational, or should I say not in the domain of field, but um, not in the domain of uh, dealing with troops, but primarily things like uh, heading a scenic school or a NCC unit somewhere in a peace station and things like that. The women are not satisfied with that and they are wanting more. And what I had written primarily in my opinion is that the time has come for us to at least experiment if nothing else, experiment Mm -hmm. if nothing else, And that experiment needs to be done first with the services. That is the Army Service Corps, the Army Ordnance Corps, and uh, the Electrical and Mechanical Engineers, EME. Mm. In all these three, you have women who have been commissioned for the last 30 years as short service commissioned officers. Many of them have commanded workshops and now are in a position where some of them can probably be selected and the, the the word, the focus is on the word selected. They have to be selected through their confidential reports, through a board of officers, a promotion board, which will determine whether they are fit to command, and only then they will command a unit. This is the essential argument that I was making. Sir, to bring General
0: Huda at this point, uh, sir, uh, you know, the government has uh, stated various issues Apart from acceptability by other soldiers, there are also personal issues of women which will are an issue. So, uh, challenges like motherhood, domestic obligations toward children and so on and so forth. So, do you believe that these are stumbling blocks in women holding command positions? And given that for the last three decades we have had women and we have crossed a certain uh, timeline in going in addressing these issues, having women in the army in the first place.
2: Okay. Uh, see, Dinkar, there is uh, there is no doubt that there is a greater challenge, and there are issues about uh, you know domestic issues and fitness, pregnancy, um, all these issues uh, that have been quoted by the by the government in their affidavit. Uh, but I think this is an argument that you know we had 30 years ago when we were inducting women uh, into the into the army. Uh, and I think all these have been, in a very matured manner, uh, have been handled by the army over over all these years. So coming specifically to uh, issues, whether they should be given command or not, um, uh, I think there is very little justification uh, in saying that women officers can be company commanders, they can be platoon commanders, they can be second-in-command, uh, but when you get to the command appointments, uh, commanding of a, of a unit, uh, that you are excluded only on the basis of the fact uh, that you are a different gender, that you are a woman, and therefore you are excluded. Uh, mm-hmm. I think this argument really doesn't hold water. See, as General Hasten uh, also said, uh, there is a board of officers to, to decide uh, whether promotions to the rank of colonel can take place uh, or not for a particular officer. Uh, it isn't as if all male officers get automatically promoted to colonels. That's not the case. So in some cases, in some services, it's less than 30% male officers getting promoted to the rank of colonel. Yes. The decision is made by a board of officers. Now let the same board of officers decide uh, whether a woman officer is fit to command a unit or is not fit to command a unit. Uh, let's not, as I said earlier, uh, just exclude them on the basis of gender alone. They should be judged on the basis of their professionalism and on the basis of merit. Uh, and I think that's the, that's the approach uh, we can take. Whether it is selectively, as General Hasnian is saying, for some services, uh, and we can then uh, expand it to, to the other supporting arms, uh, mm-hmm. is something that the, the army headquarter can, can sort of decide. Uh, General Huda, but just
0: a quick addition to that that point. Uh, what is the status of uh, on on this yeah. issue across the world? I mean, where are the other countries and especially the Western world on this issue?
2: Yeah, there are. You know, I think let's not look at other countries. We have our own, you know, sort of specific uh, and unique social characteristics and uh, and you know how we how we function. Uh, but. The fact is that now it's been three decades almost since we've had women officers. They've served in the most challenging of areas. They they serve in almost all uh, field areas uh, that India has, uh, and therefore, uh, I don't think uh, you know we can we can continue to justify uh, and say that women are not fit to hold command positions. Merely on the assumption that they are, they are women and there'll be pregnancy, and that uh, jawans will not obey their orders, uh, I think there are there are little facts to support these kind of arguments.
0: Jala Hussain, uh, again, the the CEO or the commanding officer holds a very specific, you know, very uh, is a very significant position in the army, yes. in the lineup of the army. I mean, as you you mentioned, and General Huda also mentioned. Women have been holding positions as you know, company commanders and other roles, but right. CEO is a different level of racing altogether, even uh, for selection in general, even the service boards. So given this, so can you just give a uh, layout what it means, you know, what what distinguishes the command position in the first place, and what will be the challenges or, or the way forward to look for to have women here? And you talked about selective approach. If we were to go that way, what would be the way forward?
1: Okay. See, uh, let's understand it from a a career management angle and a functional angle, both. You see, um, what are criteria appointments which someone has to tenet before they can be promoted to further progressively higher ranks? These appointments can be directly in command of troops or many times they are also not in command of troops. For example, they can be uh, uh, appointments in the in the Judge Advocate General's branch or the Army Education Corps or such things like this in which you have a certain responsibility but you are not directly commanding troops. There mm-hmm. are arms and services such as the ASC and uh, the EME in which you have resources under command and you have a, a large number of personnel under command. In the engineers you may a criteria appointment could be such a program, uh, uh, an appointment such as the commander works engineer or CWE who you are mm-hmm. responsible largely for projects or for maintenance of a lot of uh, construction assets and things like that, and very little um, responsibility for personnel under you. So there's a whole range of such responsibilities. But the one important aspect which has to be kept in mind is that the difference between a subunit command and the command by a commanding officer is that the commanding officer is the place where the buck stops. All responsibility comes and stops there. Everything good, bad, or ugly in a particular unit in that particular organization is the responsibility of the commanding officer. Mm-hmm. So if a lady is commanding uh, as a commanding officer as there, she is equal, going to be equally responsible for all this. Mm -hmm. So the question many people are asking is that, do they have it in them to be able to accept that kind of a responsibility, carry that on their shoulders, and will they be able to exercise that authority over male personnel who are under them? Now, this has already been experienced, as Gerald Hoda said, this has already been experienced in subunits where there could be 100, 120 men serving under a under a lady officer or rank of a major or lieutenant colonel and uh, they have done extremely well I think in in those appointments. so there is nothing wrong in attempting in 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 giving them a command assignments unless that is why I particularly said let's experiment with it give it a five year period and you find something drastically going wrong which I'm sure it will not then maybe you can give it a, a review at that particular time but, I think, uh, on the face of it, denying them this, as Yul Huda said, denying them this opportunity on the basis of only their gender. First of all, I don't think legally it is it is correct. Of course, the Supreme Court will decide it. But besides that, I don't think morally it is correct, because now that you have given them the permanent commi- uh, commission, you've given them on the basis of an assumption that they are uh, they are equally good, they are responsible and they can be developed to become better, I think it's incumbent on the organization to, to, um, to actually repose a certain level of trust in them and give them these command uh, responsibilities.
2: General Huda,
0: in the same, uh, you know, continuing the discussion on uh, command, but you know, more from a combat perspective, you know, you, are, you have mentioned that, you have written that there's some merit in, in the case of not inducting women in combat roles. I mean, that's also, it's a separate discussion which is also going on because the army has not, as of now, not opened up the combat arms for women officers. So, can you elaborate on what you meant by that?
2: See, I think there is is some justification uh, in not permitting women in combat roles uh, at this time. Um, There are issues about just the physical capability. Uh, the conditions in which, uh, uh, you know, soldiers and officers live on on front lines, the physical proximity uh, of officers uh, and their men, uh, you know, all living together in, say, one bunker um, along the line of control. So I think there are are issues. And then uh, if you're going to induct women in in combat arms uh, and then try and shield them uh, from some of these more difficult roles, uh, I think at this stage, uh, it could only invite more resentment uh, against why are we having women in combat arms. So I think we should keep that debate for a little later. Uh, as I said, let's start with, and as General Hasnan also saying, let's start with uh, mainstreaming in those arms and services where women already are. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can get greater acceptability about their roles, uh, including uh, criteria appointments uh, about command assignments uh, for them uh, i think that could be a lead up to whether we actually need to have women in combat roles so let's look at greater mainstreaming where they already are giving them greater responsibility giving them uh, you know uh, more important assignments and i think we should keep the the whole issue of Uh, women in combat arms for later, because I think if you mix up both the things, it's only going to muddy the situation.
0: Uh, General Hasne, just to, you know, uh, taking the discussion beyond uh, the army, I mean, while the issue is about command positions in the army, what about the Navy and the Air Force? I mean, the the Air Force now has uh, a few women fighter pilots, probably progressively will increase over time. And the Navy does not have women on the ships as of now because of infrastructure limitations but they said they are already incorporating them in the future designs for warships, so they can cater to them uh, subsequently. But they do have women navigators and controllers on their uh, 7th aircraft. So beyond these measures, where are the Navy and Air Force on this issue?
1: Uh, Well, I'm not certain as to how the uh, Navy and the Air Force are doing career management uh, of, of women officers. But I dare say that uh, these situations are quite different in each of the three uh, services, uh, the three armed forces. Uh, As far as the Air Force is concerned, uh, a lady officer who is in command maybe tomorrow, even as a fighter pilot, could be in command of a a squadron. Uh, She would have a certain amount of human resources under her and a fairly large amount of technical resources under her. Uh, that will be a major, major challenge, no doubt. It will be almost similar to a, a lady officer in command in, a, in, let's say, an engineer regiment in the army with a fair amount of uh, technical equipment and very, very large amount of human resources uh, under, under her. So I think the, the situations here are almost similar. Uh, as far as the Navy is concerned, whether a, the, the command of exclusive command of a ship uh, starting from patrol boats uh, upwards to smaller ships, and then uh, bigger, bigger uh, sea craft. Uh, the responsibility is very much there. It's a single technical resource which is in the hands of the officer, and uh, you have a very large number of uh, uh, naval personnel, sailors who are who are are uh, operating under that under the commanding officer. So the responsibility again there is the same. So I presume that uh, with permanent commission there, Uh, Command assignments is going to be a a natural thing. And that's exactly what I would recommend for the army. Uh, I think in all three services that we're seeing, you may have different philosophies of command. You may have different methodologies of command and leadership. But the situations and uh, in terms of the resources which you command are almost similar. Responsibilities are almost similar. So I don't see any reason why there should be differentiation between the three of them general Huda,
0: you had mentioned uh, stressful conditions like working in close proximity on the front lines around a bunker and you know other these issues so how do you think they can, these can be addressed going forward see uh, now we are talking about command positions but the combat roles and in you know in the frontline combat will come up you know will be you know step by step so how can these issues be addressed how do you bring about a change in the thought process and actually you know get it working
2: so I, I think we need to get less emotional about this issue, Dinkar, honestly. Uh, and, you know, look at it in a more practical manner. Uh, so we've already started inducting uh, women as permanent commission in some of the supporting arms and, and services. Uh, and I think we need to completely integrate all the people in the army. And that includes women officers. I mean, it's frankly to me ridiculous that we are fighting battles in court. And that's the completely wrong approach. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, Supreme Court might give some judgment based on on their wisdom. Uh, mm. But within the within the army, if we can internally resolve these issues, that will be a much better approach. So I think uh, let's look at both sides of the debate. Uh, let's not dismiss dismiss any side. Uh, and the fact is. You have to integrate women better in the army. You have to give them, you know, their uh, their professional aspirations, their personal aspirations have to be met. Uh, let's start debating more of this, discussing more of this, uh, and see how you know everyone can be pulled together. Um, that's the that's the responsibility. I think that the that the army headquarters, the army leadership. Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to take on in the future. Frankly, some of the arguments uh, that have been made uh, in the Supreme Court, I dare say, I'm, I'm using this word with a little caution, are frankly regressive uh, and don't reflect the reality on ground today. Sir,
0: uh, on that, you know, we have, we have both our senior officers who have held important appointments, administrative appointments, have taken policy decisions. So, from your experiences... Can you say what you had faced? I mean, uh, in your specific tenures, in senior appointments. What was and what was your
1: effort and your movement in this direction? So, Jalhasin, if you can go first. Okay, okay, that's a very good question, and I can say from 1991, one has been observing this, and we been. Uh, I, I have been subjected to to situations in which I have been commanding uh, lady officers, women officers under me. Uh, I can I can admit that I started with a negative mindset myself way back in 1991, but progressively my mind kept changing. Uh, it changed very early, and why it changed was because of the demonstrated uh, capability on ground in almost every arm and service. Uh, I, I visited my um, in my own division on the line of control. Uh, I saw a detachment of engineers working feverishly on a particular operational track. And lo and behold, I saw that uh, the command, the the uh, person commanding that detachment and spending time on the deck of the bulldozer at night for three to four weeks with the men there, was a single lady officer. It changed my mind completely on 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 what I thought about them. Thereafter, there have been many other occasions where I've seen young women, uh, convoy commanders who've done a marvelous job uh, under the most challenging circumstances in cases of ambushes uh, uh, on the Udi Baramula Road. I've seen this happen a, a couple of times. I think, I think uh, 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 operationally when it comes to these kind of situations also, women officers, uh, uh, they accept the responsibility. They don't run away from responsibility at all. They accept it and they always perform. Uh, it is not always the physical aspect Yes, there's a lot of experience from where people have told me that in about 10, 12 years of service, a lady officer starts losing interest and uh, primarily because physically uh, she's getting older and she probably gets married and has children and things like that. I would argue anytime that if you have the aspirational um, uh, you know, thing in front of you where a command assignment which awaits you, A woman will ensure that she remains sweet. She will put aside all her social issues and will want to be right there, to be seen to be capable of commanding. Uh, I I think we just need to go ahead, change things, and you'll find that everything will fall in place. And that's the way I look at this whole problem. I endorse uh, General Huda's remarks regarding uh, combat arms. Uh, I think the time has not yet come, and I would not close my mind to it. I would say that time has not yet come. And uh, we should keep the issue open. We should keep debating, but we should not debate this legally inside court, courtrooms. We should debate this within the precincts of the army itself.
2: Sir, General Sir. Huda, can you share your uh, views and your experiences on this? So, Denkar, Go I will on. I will only give you uh, two small stories. So, uh, in 2005, um, I took over command of the brigade uh, uh, from General Asnani, uh, and uh, we had this earthquake. In September 2005, by brigade major, which is a criteria appointment mm-hmm. tenanted by a officer from who's you know got through staff college, the brigade major wasn't there. The officer below him, the captain who's called the G3, was injured, and um, we had uh, we had no officers there. We were completely isolated, cut off. Uh, Uri was completely cut off. Uh, The brigade major's uh, role was done by the education officer by the name of Captain Rosie. And she handled the whole operational side during this uh, time of enormous crisis. And let me tell you, she did a tremendous job as a captain. I mean, hats off uh, to the the way she handled it. So I have no doubts about uh, women officers handling responsibilities during times of crisis. Let me give you a second small example, and that is uh, uh, we had Colonel Mahadek, uh, a CEO of a of a unit when I was uh, when I was the army commander, who was killed while fighting terrorists in September 2015. His wife, a commanding officer's wife, uh, when when my wife went to pay condolences, said, "I want to join the army." dinkar she was 35 years old at that time, 10 years older than Anybody who can get commissioned uh, into into OTA, we took up a case for her. Uh, she got commissioned in 2017 as a lieutenant in the in the ordnance. Now, the amount of uh, you know guts, the amount of inspiration that we get from her story, and she's she's a lieutenant in the army army today. So. Uh, to say that women psychologically physically uh, are weaker uh, swati Mahadek, Santosh Mahadek's wife was 37 years old when she got commissioned by far the oldest person ever to get commissioned as an officer so I think we should we should respect these you know and and just not uh, say that women are weaker women can't do this women can't do that we are the Two stories I wanted to tell you, then
0: So uh, before we close, just one uh, a concluding question, if I can say. So both generals, uh, you know, in in retrospect, if you were serving in the army, or then this situation was there, say uh, ten years back, would you have to take uh, accept orders from a women officer? I couldn't get your last part of the question again, Dinker. Sir, so, by saying uh, in in retrospect if the situation was there, you know, say 10 years or 15 years back, yes, and when you were in the army, would you have accepted office, uh, orders from a women
1: officer? Oh, look, uh, I, I think without blinking an eye, uh, if a someone above me, whether man or woman, gender irrespective, was someone who demonstrated capability, leadership qualities, and was placed above me officially, there was no question that I would not accept uh, directions, orders, anything. Uh, I think in the army, we are trained to do that. I think we have to accept the fact that we are trained to do it. We are trained to do it from designated appointments above us. Uh, nowhere does it say that that designated appointment has to be just a male. I think it's just a mindset. We need to overcome that. I would have overcome it almost immediately. I'm absolutely certain of that. Sir
2: Jalakuda? So, Dinkar, uh, let me tell you, soldiers uh, respect professionalism. Uh, They respect good leadership. And irrespective of where it is demonstrated, whether by a male uh, or a female officer. So, I completely echo uh, General Hasnan's words. Uh, You know, you you respect that, and uh, you have no hesitation in uh, accepting orders from somebody whom you feel is, is a good leader and a good professional.
0: On that note, uh, thank you very much, General Hasnain and General Hoda. This concludes this edition of Parley on a very important subject. Thank you, sir.
1: Thank you.